The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel you have heard, and it has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Well, three and a half weeks in, I wonder how you're doing. I don't know about you, but sometimes the news can be a bit overwhelming. I think it was on Wednesday lunchtime, I'd broken for lunch and wanted to listen to the radio while I ate my soup. I tuned first of all to BBC Radio 5 Live. They had a discussion on the coronavirus. I switched to Radio 4. They had a discussion on COVID-19. I switched to Radio 2. This time it was a phone-in on how the coronavirus was affecting different people. All I wanted was some music to eat my soup to. I ended up being on Radio 1. I was that desperate. It can feel overwhelming at times. Listening to the harrowing accounts of a medic in the front line, or perhaps, like me, you've listened to the accounts of relatives who've lost people this week, it can seem pretty daunting and pretty overwhelming. The experts this week in the Scottish Government briefing advised that we monitored how often we watched the news or listened to it. Because the reality is that if we listen to too much bad news, things can seem pretty bleak. It seems that apart from 99-year-old Captain Tom Moore raising £13 million by walking around his yard, there is precious little good news. But how do we keep ourselves going? Three and a half weeks into the lockdown and faced probably with at least three more, how do we preserve our sanity, our mental health, our stamina? In his book, Good to Great, Jim Collins interviewed Rear Admiral James Stockdale. Stockdale was a former candidate for the Vice President of the United States and a recipient of the Medal of Honour. Stockdale was the highest ranking and longest surviving prisoner of war from the Vietnam conflict. And he gave rise to what has become known as the Stockdale Paradox. Of all the POWs, only 591 survived captivity. And Jim Collins wanted to know why. What was the secret to surviving being a prisoner under the Vietnamese regime? Who didn't make it was his fundamental question. Oh, that's easy, replied Stockdale. 
the optimists. They didn't make it. We all need hope, he said, but not false hope. Stockdale shared how those prisoners who believed that they'd be home by Christmas soon succumbed to despair and defeat, and eventually, sadly, even death. And he concluded with these words, which became known as the Stockdale Paradox. He said, You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you must never lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you must never lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. The Christian faith is not an escapist denial of reality, but it is based on hope. The hope that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago, that we celebrated last week on Easter Sunday. And it's that hope that can sustain and strengthen us, even when things seem overwhelming. In today's passage in Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is writing under house arrest to one of the churches that he'd begun. And having thanked God for them, he borrows what was apparently a hymn or poem that was already popular in the church less than 30 years after Jesus had been crucified on that first Good Friday. In it, Paul affirms the fact that Jesus is not just a good teacher, prophet or religious guru, but is in fact God himself, fully human and fully divine, the unique Son of God and Messiah. And so we read these verses in verses 15 and 16, where Paul describes Jesus as firstborn over all creation. He writes, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Paul deliberately echoes Genesis chapter 1. Jesus is there at creation, in the beginning. In him, he says, all things were created. There were at this time, in this place called Colossae, false teachers trying to persuade the church that this world didn't matter. What really counted was the spiritual. The material world didn't count. So it didn't matter what you did in this world, how you behaved, because heaven and the spiritual, that was all that really counted. But Paul counteracts that by saying that not only was Jesus involved in the creation of this world, but he goes further in verse 20 to say that one of the reasons that Jesus died is that Jesus is committed to its renewal, not simply to reconcile us as human beings to God himself, but to reconcile and renew all things. To reconcile all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. You see, for the person seeking to follow Jesus, there is no sacred secular divide. There's no division between the material and the spiritual. There's no distinction between a private faith and the rest of life. 
The whole of life, the whole of matter, matters. That's why in P's and G's we talk about helping each other to become whole life disciples, where our faith affects the whole of life, whether it be our work, our time, our money, how we occupy ourselves during the lockdown, how we respond to the needs of people around us, how we respond to the global pandemic, and ultimately how we think about life itself and even how we think about death. I love the description of what it means to be a follower of Jesus from one writer, Dallas Willard. He said this, Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. So Paul states that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. But more than that, Paul says in verses 18 and 19 that Jesus is firstborn from amongst the dead. He's not just supreme in creation, in history and in eternity, but also he's supreme in the church because he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. The resurrection of Jesus matters because it transforms life and death. If the resurrection of Jesus really happened, then everything is different in this world and the next. Jesus, the one through whom the universe was made, and Paul says, who holds it together, and he deliberately uses a phrase that was popular in the culture at that particular time, where a particular group of people spoke about the universe being held together and gives that phrase to Jesus and says it's Jesus in whom and by whom all things are held together. Well, if Jesus was raised from the dead, then so too can we be. So the question is whether we will say yes to Jesus, whether we will say yes to trusting him with our present and our future, whether that future might seem uncertain and however filled with anxiety our present might be. Listen to the words of another Christian writer, Brennan Manning. He says this, My yes to the fullness of divinity embodied in the present risenness of Jesus is scary because it's so personal. In desolation and abandonment, in loneliness and fear, in the presence of the resident Pharisee and in the action of the imposter. Yes is a bold word, not to take lightly or frivolously. So what does it mean for you, for me, to say yes to Jesus today? What does it mean for you, for me, to say yes to Jesus in this current situation? What might it mean for you or I to say yes to Jesus this week? Not to deny our present reality, not to deny those bits that we find problematic, difficult, challenging, at times even tragic, but also not to lose the certain hope that is grounded in the person of Jesus, who we believe died 
and was raised again on that first Easter Sunday. What does it mean to hold those two things in tension? The present reality that we find ourselves in, but also the hope, the real hope that Jesus offers and the strength that comes from that. What might it mean for you this week to say yes to Jesus? What might it mean for you to say yes to Jesus, perhaps for the first time, to begin a relationship with him, and then to go on saying yes to Jesus every single hour of every single, of every single month for the rest of the lockdown, but also for the rest of our lives?